Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. So welcome, I'm Liz, my pronouns are she, they, and I'm the Resource Center Specialist, and I'll be your host today on this episode. I'm excited to be hosting this podcast with our incredible guest, Mela Swayze. Mela is an educator, speaker, and consultant who is passionate about intersectional trauma-informed practice and organizational change. Born and raised in Hamilton, Mela has a diverse experience in academia, healthcare, social services, and municipal government, and has trained thousands of employees in workplace equity practices. They are board members of the Hamilton Trans Health Coalition and founder of Hamilton Trans ID Clinic, which has operated since 2017. Mela holds a PhD in education and currently consults with nonprofits and education providers offering strategic advising in their EDI journeys. We have been lucky to have them facilitate professional learning with Strive. In July 2023, Reading the Rainbow was facilitated during Pride Week, and by the time this, pro- this podcast is out, they will have facilitated practical strategies for supporting gender-diverse kids. So welcome, Mela. Thank you, you so much for having me. I'm really excited for today. So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure, absolutely. So thanks for the introduction. Um, as you said, I'm a consultant and a speaker, and I'm, I am based in Hamilton, born and raised. Had a few stints in other cities, but Hamilton is always home for me. Um, my background is in adult education and organizational change, and I work with lots of different types of organizations and municipalities and nonprofits and help them to navigate through lots of complex changes and evolving needs, working with different populations. And most recently, I've been working quite a lot in the early learning sector, which I'm really passionate about, um, especially supporting organizations to um, support equity-deserving families and staff and just enhance their equity practices overall. So while you folks are the experts in child development, and I'll always defer to that expertise, my role is more on the professional learning side strategic advising with all the adults in charge, so the educators and the leaders who run the organizations. Um, and my background is in community health care. I've worked in workforce development and um, LGBTQ care as well. And like you were saying, my PhD is in education, so I really love to be able to work in this field again. It kind of feels like a homecoming for me. So I'm excited to be connected with you folks and with the Strive community and all the good work that you all are doing. thank you so much we're really excited to be connected with you too um so um upon researching and looking into your website i noticed that you came out with a new framework called rise would you like to talk about that at all absolutely i'm quite happy to talk about the rise framework so it's called the rise for early learning framework and right now it's a professional learning program um and also a change management framework for organizations. And it's about empowering educators and leaders to really be equipped to advance equity in their classrooms and in their organizations. It actually emerged when I had COVID in September. So I had a week where I canceled everything else um, because I had COVID. So I had a lot of time to think and a lot of creative energy flowing for whatever reason. So I had time to to kind of think about and synthesize um, all of the work and the research that I've done in early childhood education in the last couple of years, especially with um, one large childcare provider that I've been working with and early learning provider. 
And I've done lots of research with them and helping them to start um, an EDI committee. We did lots of stakeholder engagement with families, with educators. We did focus groups with families to really learn about what their needs and what their experiences are right now. So with all of that, I had some time to think and put together this framework to tap into. We know that people in this field have a really high motivation and a belief that all families and all children deserve to have access to high quality um, early childhood learning experiences. And so I think that if we can tap into that intrinsic motivation and equip educators and leaders with the tools that they need to enhance their classroom practices, then we'll all be in a, a much better, a much better place. So that's a little bit about where it came from. That's amazing. So I noticed that it did have a couple like pillars that you guys um, have established. So RISE stands for something, yes? Yes, RISE stands for something. Is it helpful if I walk through what the pillars are? Sure, that'd be awesome. Because I, I think it'd be really important for people to um, hear it if they don't necessarily learn by reading. That Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, I can walk folks through what those pillars are. So the first pillar is about responsive practice. So this pillar is about preparing educators to respond to and reflect the needs of diverse children and families in their care. Um, it's about equipping educators to tap into their role as, as equity champions and equip them with the skills and the tools that they need to enhance their classroom practices. We know a lot of educators are familiar with a framework of mirrors and windows, for example. So um, how well are you and, and how well is your classroom able to reflect the experiences of equity deserving children and families, um, provide a window into those experiences if they're not in your classroom and really anticipate their needs, whether or not they're in your classroom. Um, so that's kind of the foundation of that pillar is around responsive practice, kind of drawing on ideas of culturally responsive practice that comes up in the field of education and pedagogy, um, but moving it a little bit beyond pedagogy to have a broader framework and moving it a little bit beyond culture. Um, because from my view, I'm thinking about a lot of different types of equity deserving communities and lived experiences and identities that can include culture, um, but it can be culture, it can be socioeconomic status, it can be sexuality and gender, ability, um, all different kinds of identities and lived experience that include, but also go a little bit beyond just culture. Amazing. So why do you, like you have said, there's a professional learning program. So what does the program entail when you are delivering it? And like, how is it customizing with a local provider? Yeah, so I'm working with a local provider right now. The organization I've worked with for the last few years, developing an EDI committee and doing some strategic advising with, along with my colleague, Celeste Lickrish. And we've worked with this organization um, over all this time, and they realized that they did have some professional learning needs. And I had already been working on the RISE framework. So now we have the opportunity to pilot this framework in a professional learning setting, but also we've been customizing it with the organization. So we've been really lucky to have the opportunity to co-design the modules with educators and with pedagogical leads. 
which has been a really fantastic experience. And we'll really make sure that the, the content is going to land. The tools and the frameworks will be helpful, will be practical, will be hands-on, will be based on classroom experience and educator experiences to the the highest degree possible because we're we're actively customizing it right now for delivery in the spring. And the idea is that we're going to deliver it to about 40 or 50 leads. And those leads will do a train the trainer. And those leads are going to be a, a empowered and equipped to deliver that content to the remaining educators in the organization. So hopefully it will really help with that trickle down effect and start to shift some of the the culture in that organization and the overall skills and tool set for all the educators in the organization. So it's been a really great opportunity and good timing and good relationship building. And like I said, the opportunity to co-design and customize, I think I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity for things to line up and for us to to pilot the framework and the professional learning series. That's really exciting. Hopefully we'll be able to see it um, maybe on our end one day, because that sounds very interesting. It was something I'm super interested in. I'm currently doing my degree, so we're actually writing a social policy paper, and your framework was actually something that I'm focusing on because it's an inclusion framework and an equity framework. So I'm really excited to see where this goes, because it's really reflective of something that's needed right now within our um in the ECE sector, as well as within society, I think as a whole. So I totally, I totally agree with you. I think it's, I think it's really important. And I think in early childhood education right now, there are so many complex challenges, mm-hmm. right? If you're thinking about the workplace challenges, post COVID mm-hmm. challenges, staffing crisis, chronic undervaluing of the profession, you know, there with all of those crises, there, there's mm-hmm. not that much time and bandwidth to focus on yeah. equity issues. Um, exactly. Even though we know that people in the field are very passionate about it and do mm-hmm. have that inherent intrinsic desire to help and support and the belief that all children and families deserve to have fantastic care and early learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. But it's really challenging in the sector right now. Definitely. I I can feel that um the idea that the there's not a lot of capacity right now to be extending further than we can. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to see that something like this is coming about, but I'm excited to also see where it goes in the future. So Me too. Time will tell. Exactly. So why do you love what you're doing? I love working in early childhood education right now. I, it's not the only thing that I do right now, but it's the thing that I'm the most passionate about and where I'm dedicating most of my time. I, it's something I've always been interested in and passionate about and because my training is in education. I always had colleagues around me who were in this field, um, but because my expertise is in adult education, um, it took me a while to realize that I had a skill set that could actually be helpful because I do adult learning and organizational change work um, that could be helpful in that field. So it took me a while to realize that I could be helpful because I thought, you know, I'm not a, I didn't specialize in ECE. I'm not an expert in child development. But once I realized that I had this other skill set that could be helpful in that setting, 
Um, and I just think the work that folks do in this field is so deeply important and so chronically undervalued. And I have a genuine curiosity and frustration about the current state of affairs. Um, yeah. Just thinking that how could it possibly be this way, the the chronic undervaluing of this profession when it is mm-hmm. so deeply important to mm-hmm. supporting children and families, the impact mm-hmm. that you all have on shaping lifelong educational outcomes, lifelong health outcomes for children, mm-hmm. families, and communities, especially in equity-deserving communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this context where the field has all of these complex workforce challenges right now. So it means that it's a it's an important time to be doing this work and offering this kind of support. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love working alongside educators and the, the passion that they bring. And I, I really believe anyone who comes to this field and stays in this field, they do have that deep-seated motivation to support all children and families. And if they've got the tools and they're equipped to show up in as their best selves and with the, sc- the skills and strategies that they need to do this work, I just think the the trickle down effects of that can be pretty big, big waves, right? No, definitely. I think there's a lot of passion within DEI in our sector. And we've noticed even with numbers and turnout with events and stuff, stuff that focuses on EDI has been like very popular. So I know it's definitely something that is wanted in the sector and is like wanting to expand on, especially here in London that I've noticed. And for me, myself, I know that EDI is like one of my passions and main focuses within my studies and any research that I do. So I think what you're doing is really important and I admire it a lot. So with that being said, what keeps you motivated to keep engaging in this work? That's a great question. I would say the the responses of educators when working with them and seeing their level of engagement seeing how hard they're working, seeing how they're navigating all of these complex changes. Um, I did a training for um, early childhood educators yesterday, and some of them, uh, you know, they work a split shift. So they were doing a training kind of in the middle of their day after already being at work and before going back to work for a second time, but are still committed to their professional development and professional learning. And I think because it's in the field of education, I think people who gravitate towards it do have an openness for lifelong learning, for reflection. Um, I've certainly worked in other fields where there isn't necessarily an openness to that. And a lot of professional learning, especially around equity topics, means delivering to a room full of people with crossed arms, which is not the most motivating place to constantly have to show up in. Mm-hmm. But in early childhood learning, I, I feel like I'm just accepted and embraced with open arms and um, feel very welcome there, um, both in this organization that I'm working with and just kind of other experiences that I have, even in the Strive community. You know, I'd never, I don't know how much time I'd even ever spent in London, but I came to Strive for the event last July and just the attention and care that people put into putting on a nice event. There was a food truck. There was a drag story time. There were all kinds of engaged educators who were spending their evening there. Made it there in the middle of a terrible storm, if I recall correctly. 
Yeah, I and think it was raining really hard. Yeah, there was quite awful. a storm. It was there was awful. quite a storm that day, but people braved the storm and came out they and got engaged. Their donuts. <laughs> Everybody got their donuts. Everybody exactly. got their donuts. And they came and they were, yeah, they seemed very engaged with the session. And like even they all came to the drag story time on top of your session, which I thought was really cool. With that being said, the last session you did focus a lot on gender diversity within children's books. And your next session is also about gender diverse um, people. So how can your work support educators where they are at in their own understanding of gender diversity? Great question. Whenever I run professional learning around gender inclusion, I do try to create as much of an open space as possible, acknowledge that everyone is at a totally different place in the learning journey. Even people within the LGBTQ community we're all at a different place in our learning with respect mm-hmm. to gender identity. You know, we're only experts in our own personal experience, but even Definitely. within our community, there's so many um, intersections and different identities and different experiences that um, we can't be necessarily put under one checkbox or title. So I think it's important, you know, regardless of your familiarity with the community or your own lived experience that or just recognizing we're all at a different point in the learning journey. We've all been impacted by being socialized in a very gendered society and culture, almost mm-hmm. no matter where you grew up. But if you're, you know, in our context, you've certainly been exposed to rigid gender norms. So I think everybody, even if you're a cisgender person without a lot of experience learning about gender identity or gender diversity, you still have a lot of lived experience to draw on from just what it's like to be a person in the world who gets gendered and experiences sometimes hardship because of it. So I think everyone has some kind of a starting point. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, so many people do have a personal connection. I ran a session yesterday for ECEs on LGBTQ2S plus inclusion in early learning. And many, many people in the room There was a room of maybe 25 people. There were at least three people who had lived experience with the community. There was someone who had a kid who was trans. There was someone who had a spouse who was trans. And this was just a random cross-section of the the organization who happened to be there at this session. And I think because the session was in-person, people felt more comfortable to disclose. But I, Mm -hmm. I just think more and more, everyone has some kind of a personal connection because people are more confident being themselves, claiming their identities, that it's just kind of a matter of time until you have someone in your circles or encounter Mm -hmm. someone in your professional work or in your classrooms who is, let's say, trans or gender diverse, for example. But yeah, everyone's at a different point on the learning journey. But I think everyone has some kind of personal starting point um, that can be a good building block to draw from. Definitely. No, I agree with you completely. Even like myself, I do go by non-binary and I'm queer. So, but I know that my story is not the only one and that there's expansion and other people's lived experiences are just as valued as mine. So it's just, it's even seeing people in my cohort who are at the base level of what they know about the community, but the willingness to engage, I think is the most important part. And it seems like it's a very, there's a lot of people that are actually very willing to be engaged in this subject and to learn more and to be more inclusive and learn more about the equity in the situation. So I think it's very important. Absolutely. There's definitely an openness in this field. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to your work? I know we talked about the framework. We talked about some of the PL that you've been doing. Is there anything else you'd like to cover? I think that about covers it. I'm really looking okay. forward to the upcoming session yes. for Strive that I think will have already happened by the time yes, this episode gets released. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to reconnecting with some of the Strive mm-hmm. community and building on. The last session was about essentially book selections. Mm -hmm. Um, So including gender identity and family diversity in our selections with children's books and literature. And this one's building and kind of expanding on that and thinking about other practical strategies we have for supporting gender diverse kids in our classroom settings. So I'm excited to continue to build on that work and continue to connect with the Strive community. It sounds like everyone in that community is really engaged, really reflective, open to learning. So it's a great Mm -hmm. community to be part of. Yeah, I'm really excited for that session as well. Is there any impact stories that you'd like to share? Something that really impacts your work or something that happened recently that's really meaningful to you? I can share a couple examples of the impact of more so what educators are doing in the classrooms. And this is an example that came up in a focus group with families at an early learning center. And the caregiver was talking about how they feel so much the child-centered approach of the educators and how much care and attention they notice that the educators take towards their child. So there was one example of an educator who would take the time to braid the hair of a child. And it was something that the parent knew the child wanted, but didn't have time for. And, you know, just a really busy family life, working parent, single parent, just didn't have the time to do that. And every week, twice a week, the educator would braid the hair of the child and kind of get the child through until the next, the next wash cycle and then braid the hair again. So just those acts of care and that child-centeredness and the responsiveness, that story and Mm -hmm. stories like that stay with me quite a lot. Um, So that's one story that comes to mind. Um, Another example that I learned of recently was um, an organization that was enlisting parent champions to lead cultural activities in an early on center. Um, So the example was... uh, It was Diwali activities where the providers enlisted parent champions who celebrated Diwali to design and lead some activities. And they designed this beautiful light box activity that was set up for the month in the early on center. And that was facilitated by an early childhood educator student who also celebrated Diwali and was there to kind of lead and kind of be the ambassador and the the teacher in that setting. So that was something really beautiful that I saw recently in the work that I've been doing. But again, it's it's the work of educators um, and seeing their impact that, you know, motivates and inspires you to keep coming back to this field and stay here, right? Definitely. I can see that. Even just educators coming into the PL sessions or anything like that, the questions they have and the conversations that happen with each other, I think that's so important. And just hearing those stories, I, it's it keeps you motivated to keep going and keep doing it, even with the lack of recognition or compensation to come with it. I think those stories really help people to see the true impact that we have with children. So absolutely. 
Okay, so we've come to an end. Do you want to play a quick rapid fire game? Sure. So I just ask you some questions and like first thing that comes to your mind. Sure. You can say it and then you can explain it if you want to, but you definitely don't have to. Okay, great. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Your favorite children's book. My favorite children's book. I really like When Aiden Becomes a Brother. That's a good one. I like that one. Okay. Um, the place where you feel most calm. The place where I feel most calm. I live in Hamilton and am very lucky to live near the largest park in the city. And there's a tropical greenhouse there that's open to the public. And oh, I, I go there park. a lot. I go there a lot. And it's, it's very calming. I can imagine. And that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's very heart filling. Okay, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate coconut ice cream. Well, that's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something you feel excited about? I right now because I'm so deep in the weeds with it, I'm really quite excited about the Rise Professional Learning um, because I've just come out of the co-design sessions with the educators, and it's really starting to come to life. So I'm genuinely very excited about that in this moment. Okay. And last one that I have for you, your favorite mindfulness practice. Mm, favorite mindfulness practice. I like mindful movement. There's a time and a place for meditation and quieter practices, but I like a, a mindful movement practice, whether yoga or some kind of variation of that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to see your session coming up. Well, in this case, it'll be in the past, but I'm very excited for it and can't wait to hear more about Rise as it comes to fruitation and keeps going. Thank you so much for hosting and for being interested and curious. And I will really look forward to seeing the Strive community next week and hopefully in future sessions as well. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.